0: Mm. All right, you feeling good? Yep. I knew you would. Let me hear you screaming and shout. There it is. Yes. Wow, it's you been go- a while, guys. I know. Yes. Sometimes you have to step away from something before you can come back to it and experience mm-hmm. it in its fullness of goodness. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to the Debrief, a weekly Q&A show from Sandals Church and Pastor Matt Brown with real answers to tough questions from the Bible. I'm your friendly host over here, Justin Party, hanging out with my pals.
1: I am Stephanie Schaefer.
2: Yeah, it sounds like you're having a hard time breathing today.
1: Yeah, I had excited. one little
2: <clears throat> I had a little choke there, but I super... Yeah, I'm remember. always a little curious what's going to go wrong during the intro. <laughs> and so today it was breathing.
1: We just try to get it all out here. I had a so pretty good one. So that
2: then the rest yeah.
1: of the show flows smoothly. So
2: that's right. last night on Monday Night Football... Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was speaking of you. Yeah, thank you. That made so me feel that good. guy. That guy, Sergio Dips, an internet sensation. He froze, literally froze. Like I don't know that much about football, but I can talk. I I, I was like, t- I was gonna send a text at ESPN. Hire me. I can talk. <laughs> so then, then the big white guy, the former coach of the Buffalo Bills, oh, he's just right. like, ur, uh, ah, uh, hmm, <laughs> and then like these awkward pauses of silence. And then you got that woman with her voice, huh? I was like, I wish I sounded like her, man. I mean, she's like, hey, everybody. She she passed, was, oh, she was. She's very, was? very like she's... What, she had a lot of bass. Like she, she's got a good voice. She's gotcha. got a good radio voice. <laughs> got gotcha. you. So, she yeah, was definitely the town. I was, a, I was busy talent.
0: watching uh, the excellent hosting skills of Chris Harrison mm. from Who Wants mm. to Be a Millionaire, but he was closing it out on the Bachelor in Paradise finale. Yeah, I so for amazing. all you
2: millennials who never got to listen to John Madden, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. He was good. He was good. awesome. He was good. He'd eat a chicken wing while <laughs> literally... Talking about some football.
0: Pastor Matt, would you consider, just just prayerfully consider, maybe we, that should be something we have our hosts at Sandals Church just be allowed to do, eat chicken, eat wings, chicken wings while they're welcoming people to Sandals Church. No. no dude, hey, everybody. You to can't Dallas even Church? breathe and talk. Just How are we going to let you do eat? You guys, do you guys remember the one time I had nachos
1: on stage? Oh, yes. Just that was like your events? favorite
2: <laughs> moment yeah. ever. Oh, yeah. Do Literally just in state thinking, I'm getting paid to eat nachos <laughs> as we oh, speak. Yeah. Uh, childhood so dreams do come true. All of us true. who
1: hate eating sounds just cringe the entire time.
2: It was, it was awesome. I'm not a big fan of eating sounds either. No, I like, can't I even, like, them. hear it myself.
1: No. Eat. Yeah. Tyler and I both are the same way. So, like, uh, TV has to be on, music has to be playing if we're eating mm. food. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. No eating sounds. Wow. Okay, oh, that see? Was a big that was That is disgusting.
0: <sighs> yes. Oh, it was so tasty, though. Just a oh. beautiful blend. There was
1: nothing beautiful about that.
0: Well, before we jump into debriefing, we got a quick little bit of business starting up. Hey, this weekend, we're launching a brand new series across all of Sandal Search called Others. Pastor Matt, can you tell us what's up with that?
2: Yeah. So we're going to start uh, a conversation about racism. And so unfortunately, everybody who forgot about Charlottesville already, because uh, Americans have the attention span of an ant. Mm. Um, you know, it's just a real issue in our country and there's a lot of conversations that need to be had. And it's important as Christians that we don't develop our views of racism based upon American values, but on biblical truth. And so traditionally the church has gone south when they've been more cultural than they've been Christian. And that's one of the challenges. Uh, Slavery never would have occurred in America had people focused on biblical truth rather than cultural uh, realities and maybe even uh, economic necessities at the time to you know produce all of that cotton and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so it's just really, really sad. They were more economic than they were spiritual and it's just a tragedy. And so we need to make sure that you know sometimes culture is on the right side of things, usually they're on the wrong side of things. So we got to be careful that we don't allow culture to be our moral compass. We got to let the Bible uh, talk about that. And so this week we're going to look at uh, one of my favorite passages in scripture where Jesus makes a whip and beats people with it in the temple. And we're going to understand why racism was at the heart of that and why Jesus was so angry. So we're going to be looking specifically in this series uh, at racism through the eyes of Jesus. Uh, The title is called Others because everyone's an other to someone. Mm -hmm. And uh, we need to really, really look at that um, as a church, as we move forward so that we can become more diverse because I believe at Sandals, the more diverse we are, the more divine we are. So we want to reflect God's uh, heart on that issue. So Bring some friends, and uh, and again, the Bible's always been right on this issue. I think uh, culture is trying to get right on the issue, but mm-hmm. but God's always been right, so.
0: Right, and many of you guys are regular debrief friends of the family, friends of the show here. This week, listen, this is a great time to bring somebody to Sandals Church, a good weekend for somebody who's maybe skeptical about the church, skeptical about uh, the role that the church can play in just our modern culture. Mm-hmm. And Man, really just pray into that over the next couple of days. Is there somebody who's not plugged into church somewhere that maybe needs to be a part of this series?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And as a reminder, folks, our real workshops here at Sandals Church have begun, and those are all about how to Live out our vision here at Sandals Church of being real with ourselves, God, and others. And those workshops are the prerequisite for that self-discovery workshop that we spent all of last week's episode on and where we're going as a church. So, if you want to be a part of that and you want to get more information about all of that self-discovery stuff we've been talking about, Mm -hmm. make sure you are joining us for the real workshops. They happen every weekend at every single Sandals Church location. We also have some midweek options here at the Hunter Park location. We would love for you to be a part of those. You can get the whole schedule for every single class at every single location at sandalschurch.com slash workshops miss those guys. They're incredible.
0: Okay, before we jump into questions, we got another amazing five-star review. This one comes from Angie Rocks, who says, thank you, Debrief family, leaving five stars. She says, I had a family member recommend listening to the Debrief podcast because of the honesty and realness of Pastor Matt. Good job. Thank you. Now it's the only way I can get ready every single morning, and I look forward to every Tuesday for a new episode. I had a spiritual fallout for years, and I can feel God pulling on my heart again. Thank you for putting real daily issues into a much easier perspective. You guys are amazing. So... Uh, You're welcome for our part. Pastor Matt already said the thank you. Oh, I don't know if I screwed that up with my pride. Could have been better.
2: Well, I was trying to be. How do you mess up a five-star review? Leave it to me, guys. Okay. (laughs)
0: <laughs> definitely not with a chicken wing. Mm. All right. Let's, uh, let's get into some questions before we start briefing. It's time for follow-up. Let's get some answers to questions about answers to questions. This one comes from Amanda. That's
1: right. Amanda wrote in and said, I'm fairly certain I am an eight, which we talked about last week is the mm-hmm. powerful person who can struggle with lust. I find myself being very ashamed about this being my style. And pastor, in last week's episode, pastor Matt even said, you're going to love working with nines and being around nines. Whereas the eight, you need to get out of there. As a woman, how do I balance being a Proverbs thirty one, woman, and my true self as a core eight.
2: Yeah, so let me say this: that all the numbers are wonderful to work with when they're healthy, all of them. So, yeah. so don't 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 think that there's anything uh, worse than any of the others. They're all tragic. They're all ugly when they're ugly, and they're all beautiful when they're beautiful. And so, every personality style reflects the glory and power of God. For example, God is powerful, and that's what the eight represents. And so, God wants you to be a powerful person. That means you need to be clear. You just have to make sure that you don't run over people. You have to care as much about the person as you do your point. So, yeah. So that's what an eight needs to remember, that the person is as important as my point. And so, because eights, I always hear eights say this, but my point is, mm-hmm. because what they're trying to drive home is they want to be in charge. They think they know, and that's fine. But you got to remember the person. And so you just have to remind yourself of that. You know, I have a daughter that's an eight, and we're constantly telling her, soften, 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 Um And I don't want her to not be who God has called her to be, but I want her to be able to get her point across because oftentimes eights are correct. And so eights can do great things, amazing things. Uh, Incredible leaders in the Bible are eights. And so it's just sometimes your words and your methods can get in the way of what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Our president of the United States, I believe is an eight. Now, the good news about that is he's gonna do whatever he believes it takes to protect the people of the United States of America. The problem is his strategies often create more enemies than they do friends. Mm -hmm. And so he really needs to become more resourceful, more healthy and figure out, okay, uh, God has shaped me as a strong, powerful leader and I need to utilize this in a way that blesses God. And so think of this, eights really need to work on the concept of meekness. And so meekness is power under control. It's it's power under God's authority. And so you need to move forward with that. I love hiring eights on staff. I actually really, really um, appreciate their giftedness and their strength. I don't like people that are wishy-washy. I like a straight shooter. As long as an eight will submit to me, I can work, I can work with them. Now, mm-hmm. a non-resourceful and unhealthy eight can't submit to anyone, including God. And so that's the problem. And so... You know, lust here is not just um, about sex. So, so don't be thrown off by that. It can be sex, but remember, a non-resourceful seven can be very sexual. Yeah. Because their 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 desire is to avoid pain and experience pleasure, and so they're looking for that next experience. And so, what the eight is really thriving for is power that's not theirs. They're Mm -hmm. looking to conquer, and so that's a better word maybe than simply lust, but. You know, lust is the desire, is the sexual desire for things that are off limits. Mm-hmm. And so the eight has this deep need to be against, and that includes God's law. And so um, it's, it's, it's this, this attraction and, and drawnness to things that are you've been told no, because you don't wanna hear no. You, you wanna do whatever it is that you wanna do, who is God or anyone else to tell you what to do. Uh, the beauty of the eight is when you get on God's team, man, watch out, you're gonna make a difference. And uh, if we're ever in trouble, you want eights to come to your aid because they protect, they are loving, they're caring, they're tender when they're healthy. And mm-hmm. so it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so I think Proverbs 31 woman is probably an eight. I mean, she's out there handling business. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love She that. is getting stuff done. I mean, literally it ends with the, the children in her life stand up and call her blessed because they honor her and they respect her. So um, you're probably a rarity if you are in fact an eight as a woman, but that's a great thing. God wants um, strong women. Uh, one of my favorite... I don't know if Lisa Bevere is an eight, but I think she is. We'll have to ask her mm-hmm. next time she's here. I'm going to guess she's an eight. She wrote Lioness Arise. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's an eight. So, um, And I think that that's fantastic and amazing. And so again, I think we're all, if we're honest, we're going to hate the words that come with uh, our sin. And mm-hmm. so I was having a conversation with a pastor uh, who actually was telling me, you know, they thought that they were a five. And I said, oh, I can see that because I've seen you struggle with greed. And as soon as I said that, they were instantly, oh, well, maybe I'm not a five. And so mm-hmm. you have to embrace both. I mean, I don't want to run around telling people I'm a liar, but mm-hmm. I struggle being untruthful. I, I withhold information. Yeah. Uh, I tell people what they want to hear. That's kind of the way that I schmooze them. And so I have to constantly rail against that because I don't want to be a liar. I want to be in the truth. That's why my verse, Life Versus John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Um, so I constantly am aware of, okay, how, how am I being untruthful in this situation? And so, so just know that every single personality is going to have something that if you're honest with it, if you're honest with your sin, you're going to hate it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all way more sinful than we want to admit. Every yeah. single one of us, especially as we enter into this conversation about sex, we are all far more sinful than we'll ever understand. But we're also far more loved by God than we'll ever understand. Both mm-hmm. of those are truths. And so churches that get wacky, overemphasize one and and not the other. So we have to talk about sin. And sexual sin is one of those things that jacks up our relationship with God. It just does. It literally silences the Holy Spirit in your life. And so you've got to be aware and protective of that. So I'll be praying for you and thank God you're innate. You need to be utilizing leadership gifts. You need to come alongside and we need powerful women, especially in our Cultivate ministry, to challenge other women and to say the things that won't necessarily be said. And so Mm -hmm. eights are great group leaders because they protect and eights are the ones that deal with wolves in the church. And Mm so all the other personality types are waiting for somebody to step up and handle that wolf and the eights come to the forefront. And so we need you, especially strong women. I think it's so important, especially today in the church that we see strong women modeling strength in front of young women. So So thank you, great question.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for sending in that follow-up question, Amanda. Don't forget, folks, the conversation does not stop here. So if you have questions about the answers that we have to these questions, I bet you're going to have a lot of questions after this week's episode. Feel free to send those in at debrief.show or by sending us a message on Facebook.
2: Yeah, let me give one more quick advertisement. You know, we had 500 people do the workshops this weekend Mm in all of our campuses. Continue to do that. If you do all three workshops you will be able to do the real with self assessment where we go over the Enneagram and the results. And, and just so you know, you can take one on the internet. Th- those are, I don't know about you guys. They're, they're, oh, lame. Yeah, they're not worth it. But, so this do is not, one that we don't actually, even mess around yeah, we actually pay money to, mm-hmm. for this test to be taken for you. And then we have professional readers. They've all undergone training, literally hours and hours of training. We all sat through oh, yes. it. Oh, yeah. So, um, I mean, I've spent now $30,000 on training and in terms of how to Uh, And I don't know how many hours and how to understand this and and be able to read this in the lives of people. And it's really, really helpful. And so we're going to be offering those workshops at least probably we'll start off with one uh, this year and then we'll jump into two next year. But you have to have done all three workshops in order to get into that. So don't miss that. And um, I I think your mind's going to be blown and God's going to bless you. We,
0: I, I totally agree. Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right, let's jump into the debrief. We got all kinds of questions about sex education. So this first question actually comes in from me. So uh, I was listening to your sermon and you talked about how the, you said the church gets in trouble when it tries to establish the same boundaries for everyone, right? That's a cult. So uh, kind of to set the framework for the rest of this conversation, how do we set wise personal boundaries based upon our own level of faith?
2: <laughs> <laughs> now I, now but, I can't breathe. That's contagious. So, bless you. So, so here's the problem because this is what the Pharisees did. Thou shalt not work on the Sabbath. The this, the, the uh, six days you shall work; the seventh day is holy and unto the Lord. And so, what they did is they established clear boundaries for what everyone could or couldn't do. And mm-hmm. and all that did was really, really lead to judgmental attitude and yeah, yeah. and just demeaning towards one another. And looking, it's, it's just a mess. And so, what you have to do is you have to say, okay, what are my issues? Um, you know, just like if I have a propensity to overeating, I have to be careful. I have to monitor myself. I can't buy things and have them in my refrigerator if I know that that's my weakness. That's not my weakness. I don't overeat. I've never been an overeater. I've never struggled with that. You can. I could live in a bakery and not gain weight. Okay. Now you put me in a strip club and I'm gonna have some problems. Mm-hmm. Because early on, um, I started looking at porn. I think I, I found my first pornographic magazine in second grade on the playground at an elementary school. Mm. And I was fascinated by it. This is, my mom's gonna laugh. This is what I did. I took the magazine home and I cut out all the pictures of the breasts and the vaginas, and I put it on my wall because I didn't think my mom would know what it was. (laughs) (laughs) So my mom comes in, right? She's like, uh, honey, what are all these pictures up on your wall? And I'm like, uh, yeah, so that was my first encounter, you know, as a second grader. And I knew that I was drawn to the female body. And Mm so most men are, some women are drawn uh, very, very visually, but most men are very, very visual. And so porno- pornography is a very, very powerful thing. So I just have to be really, really careful what I allow myself to be around. So my wife can watch movies where I'm like, I, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, oh man, what was that TV show she wanted to watch? Um, it's about the politics in DC.
1: Oh, House of Cards.
2: House of Cards. I, episode one, you know, their yeah, breasts yeah. flying and I go, babe, this, this is not for me. And so she was a little disappointed because it's not a problem for her. Mm-hmm. It's just not, I mean, she... She sees breasts every day, hers, you know? Fair enough. She's going to love that I said that. Um, But it it affects me. And so I just have to be very, very careful what I'm around, the friendships that I have, the relationships that I have. Um, You just have to guard yourself. And so I think you need to, and this is why real with self is so essential to any Christian. Mm -hmm. You need to be real with you. What can you do and what can't you do? Because here's the problem. You might be in a small group where people are like, it's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just... um, it's just a TV show. You know? it's, it's just uh, House of Cards or it's, or it's just, um, what's that? Uh, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. You yeah. know, that, man, I can't watch that one either. Mm-hmm. It's just Game of Thrones. And it's like, look, that's what it is to you. And that's why we always need to remember the weaker brother because everybody's a weaker brother somewhere. Yeah. And so we, we've, got to, we've got to watch that. And so we all have our triggers. We all have our issues. And that's why the Enneagram is so helpful in that because it helps you to really look at what's the core in your life. And some people just don't care. You know, that I, I would rather stumble and be comfortable than uh, follow God and struggle and be disciplined. So, mm-hmm. so you just really have to know yourself and establish your boundaries. What is good for you? So when I surf, I don't go to places where I know that there's going to be a lot of gals on the beach in bikinis. Yeah, I, I just don't do that. I go to places where it's just a bunch of old dudes and, you know, we're out covered in wetsuits and, and that's fine. So that, that's just what I do for me. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that I don't love God. It doesn't mean that I don't love my wife. It means that I'm wise. And I've learned, you know, like the father in Proverbs 5 says, son, listen to me. There's a woman whose lips drip with honey, but in the end, her words take you to death. Don't go near her house. And so we got to figure out, you know, what is that in our life that literally looks like honey, that the words are so smooth, but in the end leads to death. And Mm -hmm. all of us have that issue. Mm -hmm. And uh, for some of us with addictive personalities, it's smoking, it's drinking, it's excess, Uh, For some of us, it's work, uh, working out. Um, There's all kinds of things where you just have to do things, you know, in moderation. And and there's some things you can't do in moderation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I wouldn't recommend heroin in moderation. Mm
0: -hmm. I was going to say for some of us, that thing may actually be honey. So sweet and delicious.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) That that is true.
0: Honey is- I'm going to have a moment. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, you also mentioned in your message, Pastor Matt, this week, and your first point was actually that we are sexual creatures. So you've also said that we are created in God's image. So to clarify, is God sexual? The Bible
2: has also said that but to yes, clarify. The Bible yes, so no, God is not sexual. So the way that God has created us in his image, and this is why sex is so important. Everybody needs to understand this. How are we the most like God? We're the most like God in that we can create life. How do we create hmm. life traditionally? through sexual intercourse between a man and a woman. Uh In that moment, we have the same ability that God did, that God creates. And so that's why sex is so important. Everyone needs to stop wherever you are. Some of you need to get this tattooed on your body. Sex is sacred. If you're a Christian, sex is sacred. So um, who's the guy that um, started the magazine Hustler? Larry Flint. Larry Flint, His his big thing in the 70s, whenever he started this, it's just sex. Okay, that's, that's when our culture went wrong. It's not just sex, yeah. it's sacred. And so, um, you know, we need to learn what that means and, and we need to learn to cherish that and honor that. And so it's a beautiful, amazing thing. So we are like God. And so this, this is why we as Christians need to allow sex to be sacred and to be an act of worship. We need to have a sense of reverence for it and we need to have a sense of awe for it, and that's also what pornography has done. Is pornography has taken away the sense of awe. Mm. It's literally like exercise videos. It's just ridiculous, you know. Um, and so that's what it means. So no, God is not sexual. And just so you know, most of the ancient world believed that all the gods were. So yeah. when you look at the Greek gods, right? They're all they're they're all a bunch of horn dogs. I mean, that's literally having sex with each other and this and that. And there's this weird chapter uh, in the Book of Genesis where. Uh, the sons of God have sex. They're called the Nephilim, and mm-hmm. nobody knows what it means. It's just one of these ancient words. But there's some kind of interaction there between um, some kind of divine-like being and human beings. We're not exactly sure what it was, and God says it was terrible. And, and ultimately, judgment comes on the world because of that. And so God does not want to have sex with you. That is not the way God you know, wants to relate to you. It, it's very, very clear. Even when Mary is impregnated by God, it's the Holy Spirit that does it. There is no intercourse. There's no physical contact. It is literally the spirit placing the DNA of Jesus in the womb of Mary. There's no sex. Mm -hmm. So she is a virgin when she gives birth. And that's, again, for those people that don't believe that Mary was actually a virgin, why would Isaiah said, behold, unto you a sign, a virgin, right? (laughs) That's what makes it unusual is Mm -hmm. she is a virgin and God has done that. She has not been sexually violated by anyone, including God. And so that's just really, really important to know that, that God is not sexual. What God is, is relational. And God is also intimate. And so one of the ways that we model that is in intimacy between man and a woman, and we come together in a sacred thing called sex, and it's something that should be blessed and revered. And just so you, you you know, some of you have not grown up this way. Like I said, sex comes, you know, our sexuality comes from four places, our biology, our experiences, our environment, and our faith. And that's really how we interpret that. Some of us have been raised in environments where sex was not sacred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sex was just what you do. Mm-hmm. And um, you're gonna have to retrain yourself just like we have to do in every area. That's why many of you guys can't tithe. You can't fathom living off 90% ninety percent of your income because you, you can't fathom the just blessedness of God and participating in his kingdom and his world. God is inviting you into the struggle. He's inviting you into his kingdom. And if you wanna be a part of that, it affects every area of your life including your finances, your time, your talents, and, you, and your sex life. And any, any organization that's telling you, God doesn't care about your sex life is not telling you what the Bible says. So they might be telling you what they believe, but they're not telling you what the Bible says. Mm.
0: Okay, so Norma wrote in says, thank you for being real this Sunday on the subject of sex. I had my 13-year-old son with me and I'm a single mom and I really appreciated him hearing a godly view of sex and how it was intended to be. My son has been exposed to pornography and I'm afraid that he will end up with a sex addiction like his father. I don't want to wait or depend on his dad to talk to him about these things. So should I be straightforward in asking my son questions about his sexuality? Should I be specific about porn, masturbation, etc., Or should I let him bring it up when he wants?
2: Yeah, so this is just one of those awkward awkward conversations that you're going to have to have. Just so you know, it's awkward for dads to have this conversation. I'm going to guess it's more awkward for moms to have this conversation. But one of the things that I think you need to approach is, you need to approach of what you wish you would have had, how, the kind of man you wish you would have married and how sex addiction has wounded you. And I, and I don't put his father down, but just talk about the ideal here. And so remember Proverbs 31, if you read it, it's the teachings of a king and his wisdom that he learned from his mother. So Proverbs thirty one is the kind of woman that you want to look for. And so again, raise boys to love women, not to have sex with women. And that's that's what you need to do. And you need to encourage him to do that. And that's constantly what I talk to my son about, you know. My son doesn't benefit if I have a porn addiction. My son doesn't benefit if I cheat on his mom. My son doesn't benefit if I'm constantly focused everywhere else, but on my wife and our family. And I'm always telling him, I'm raising you to be a man. I'm raising you to be a leader. I'm raising you to be the kind of man God wants you to be. And for that to happen, you need to be uh, committed to loving one woman for life. That's, That's the ideal. It's not everybody's experience, but that's the ideal. And so that's what you need to raise them and you need to hope and we all need to hope that our kids will all do better than we do you know i don't want my kids to struggle with the same things you know that i struggle with i don't want them to to make the same mistakes that i made and i just have open and honest conversations um and i would say the more the better and the sooner the better i for every parent listening talk to your kids about sex before they hit puberty yep make it an open honest conversation um we, we had a couple sex conversations around the dinner table. I think when my girls were like fifth and fourth grade and my son was like four. And I'll never forget those conversations, but it's important to have those because every child is going to become sexualized, every child. Um, and, and they need to learn who they are. They need to learn what God's called them to because the world is going to think it's ridiculous. Peter actually says this, the world will think you are strange because you do not engage in sexual orgies with them. They think that's weird. Why mm-hmm. wouldn't you want to experience these pleasures? Because my ultimate pleasure comes from God and relating to him. And for me, sex is something that is sacred. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, have that conversation with him. Uh, talk to him about masturbation and just, you know, don't, don't guilt him to death. You know, uh, most boys are going to masturbate. Uh, the big thing there is, you know, don't have a fixation on visual things uh, because that teaches boys not to be present when they're married to their wife. And so- what happens when, a, when a, a boy or a girl is viewing pornography and they're masturbating is they're not in reality. So they have to create a false reality. And so what'll happen with a man or a woman that has uh, stimulated themselves sexually through porn their entire life is actually when they're intimate with a real life person, they'll have to close their eyes and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And that's tragic. I mean, think about that. You're actually setting yourself up to not be intimate and to not be present with the one that you love and the person that you care for. So. Um, I just tell my son, you you know, in the end, you know, pornography only screws you. That's what it does. Mm -hmm. It it is not your friend. Again, her lips drip with honey and her words are so smooth, but in the end, she takes you to the place of death Mm -hmm. and you're going to miss out. Mm -hmm. Sorry.
1: This next question actually is on the topic of pornography and it comes in from someone who identified as an old front sider, which front side is our uh, junior high and high school ministry here at Sandals Church. Uh, And he writes in and says, both of your sermons on sex have been very convicting and helpful for me as I stumbled upon pornography in third grade and soon after self-pleasure. Both of these are still an issue for me. After hearing your sermons, I know I need to stop and have been working on it for at least a year. The desire for intimacy and touch is still very hard for me. I know it's wrong and I've heard what the Bible says, but I don't know where to go with this.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So let me just thank you for your honesty and your Mm -hmm. openness. And just there's a couple of things that we didn't touch on about pornography. One of the biggest challenges of pornography is the issue of variety. You can look at uh, if you're a young man uh, wanting to look at naked women. You can find whatever color woman you want, whatever shape, bus size, uh, whatever. I mean, literally. I don't want to get too explicit here. And it doesn't train you to be monogamous. Mm-hmm. You're actually training yourself to be polygamous. You're just doing that in terms of, you know, what you view on the internet. And, you know, my wife is my wife. She looks the same, um, mm-hmm. and and that's who she is. And so. Uh, what I have to have find variety in is is in different ways of loving her. One of the things I hate when people oh, say man, is is um you know make love all day long. Uh, okay, yes, and then have sex occasionally. Making love is not sex. Sex is sex. Making love is how we interact, how we connect. It's it's intimacy, emotional and spiritual intimacy. And when you have that, you're going to have a great sex life mm-hmm. and uh, ha- and have a beautiful thing. So, the first thing that I would do is uh, get in some accountability. Find somebody that you trust who, you know, who values you and trusts you. That's the first thing that I did when I, when I realized, um, you know, I'll just be honest with you. I really started to deal with this issue heavily when I was in college and, um, I'll never forget. I wrote in my Bible, God, please help me with my issues with pornography. And back then it was like an occasional magazine. There was no computers or whatever else. And my wife's mom actually found that note in my Bible and said, who is this? I was like, I don't know, you know, and it was me. And so what I wish I could have done is had an honest, open conversation, about that and just say, look, okay. Um, you know, and, and just so you guys know, one of the lies we tell ourselves is, oh, when I get married, all my desires are gonna go away. That's not true. You're gonna continue to have desires, and that's why it's so important that you begin to rein those in now because marriage is work, relationships are work. It's not all eroticism, it's not all fantasy, you know, it's it's just a lot of work. Life is work, and a lot of us just want to escape, and sex is one of those ways to escape. So just, you got to treat it like a, an addiction. That's what I would say. You just got to be honest with yourself and say, okay, I'm addicted to this. And uh, how do you know when you're addicted, when you can't sleep without it, when you can't go a, a day or a moment without it? I mean, literally, you're willing to sacrifice money, your time, your job, your school. When that starts happening, you have an addiction. You're, you're not struggling with sin. You're wrestling with the, the demon of addiction, and you've just got to be open and honest. We have a, a group on Tuesday nights. It's only for men right now, but it's men pursuing sexual freedom. Everybody's gonna love you there, be open with you. It's here at the Hunter Park campus. Um, just come, I think it starts at- uh, Probably like 6.30. 6.30 and uh, I know some of the leaders, some of them are my friends and uh, it's an amazing thing to get to and and just get there. And uh, it's a safe place. And um, look, there's going to just, you gotta look at addiction like a battle. You know that Jesus won the war. You're gonna win some battles and lose some battles. Don't give up and don't give in because God loves you. And here's the beauty. Um, when we repent, when we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so we, here's what I started doing. The, the second that I would sexually sin, I would confess it instantaneously. Yep. Um, I mean, sometimes moments after, and then and that just helped. And, and confess with someone who knows the Bible, loves you, loves God, and knows you. And, and, and eventually you can get through this. This can happen. And so it's a difficult thing. I'm working with one guy in our church right now. Um, he's been... 11 months now free from pornography or masturbation or anything like that. And I think that's fantastic. And uh, and celebrate your victories, man. I remember one time at church, a guy gave me a high five and he said, uh, it's been six days since I masturbated and looked at porn. And he said that coming to the church, I said, congratulations, man, welcome.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know." And um, we just got to celebrate those little victories. That's why alcoholics celebrate every year, mm-hmm. every month, yeah. every week. You have to celebrate that because that's how you live in freedom.
0: One of the things you talked about this weekend that I think totally presses in here is don't pray about God for God to change your desires, but pray for him to give you the strength. And I think that totally applies for. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. uh, And I think that's one of the greatest mistakes, especially in the issue of homosexuality that the church did, Um, you know, trying to get people to pray away gay. It's just like, come on, man. Mm -hmm. Um, What needs to change is your desires for God. Yeah. And so um, you need to focus on him and turn to him. and, And that's the best way. Don't pray for the desires to go away. Pray for strength to make different decisions. Mm -hmm. so,
0: Yeah, totally. And you can even pray. One of the things that I, so I've had to walk out of this thing. And one of the game changers for me was to try and stop focusing on how do I be less addicted to porn, but how do I just be more in love with Jesus? And I know that sounds so cliche, but it was so true. Like, what does it look, instead of trying to not look at porn every night, what if I try and get really intentional about spending time with God in the morning every single day and let that, um, those effects spill over into me. And then you and I, we, you know, the story, Uh, I won't say his name, but some that he would used to stay up at night when he was a college student and read the Bible at the kitchen table. And he would literally fall asleep reading the Bible at his family's kitchen table because he knew if he went to sleep in his room and was too tired or whatever, he'd be vulnerable, make a stupid decision. Um, there's, yeah. Yeah, Habits
2: are hard to break. And the way you break bad habits is with good habits. Mm -hmm. So, oh yeah, totally.
1: All right. So, Pastor Matt, you said in your sermon this weekend that sexual sin is different from other sin. So does that mean that healing or redemption from sexual sin is different too? Um, I say this because Annie Moss writes in a question and says, in this weekend's message, you talked about how those who have committed sexual sin and adultery will be judged. What does being judged mean? I've committed adultery in the past and I knew all along what I was doing was wrong and not God's will, but I chose and follows my emotions over my faith in God. I've repented and I've asked for forgiveness. I've told others an attempt for healing, but I still continue to be filled with guilt over my past actions. Has God forgiven me and will I still be
2: judged? Yeah, that's great, man. Great, great question. And I appreciate that. And so let me just say, um, I think that uh, the spirit of your heart shows that the Holy Spirit is in your heart because people who are not convicted about sexual sin do not have God's spirit in them. That's just the reality. If you don't feel bad about sexual sin, then you aren't feeling God. That's just the reality. Um, because sexual sin, the Bible says is the only sin that is not only against God, but actually against your own body. You're actually sinning against how God has made you to be. And so I think as Christians, we all struggle with regret. And I think it's, I think it's okay to continue to struggle with regret um, Because I think regret allows us to remember so that we don't make that same decision again. But we have to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to convict us, not only of sin, but of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So, 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so, for me, you know, I really, really struggled with some of my sexual sins from college. um, And, um, you know, it was it was 10 years working through that, just mm-hmm. overwhelmed with guilt. And I finally realized it was demonic. Like it, the the devil himself was trying to convince me that I couldn't be forgiven, which is actually literally, you know, a big rebuke to what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And so when you say, I don't know if God can forgive me for what I've done, what you're really saying is, I don't know if the work of Jesus on the cross is really all he said it was. Mm-hmm. And so there's a reason he says it is yeah. finished because it is finished. The work of God is now done. and. Um, I, my my work, so to speak, is to believe in the name of Jesus Christ, Christ and mm-hmm. rep- to repent of my sins. That's what God has called me to do. That's my part in it. The forgiveness is His part, and so I've got to trust in Him and who He is. Um, and so I just would just encourage you, you know, don't don't be done with regret because that's regret is a reminder. Don't go back there. You know what that's like. Don't participate that in again. But yes, you are forgiven and you can move on. So I don't know if I hit on Oliver. I think so, that was great. Okay, Okay. hold on, will Uh, I be judged? Yes, we're all gonna be judged, yes. 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 Here's what uh, Romans 8 says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm. And this is one of the problems that a lot of Christians don't understand is, what we are guaranteed is we will not be condemned. Our soul will not be cast into the lake of fire. However, we will stand before the eternal fire that is God. Mm. That is who he is. And our life, all, all that is in us, that is not yet what it needs to be, uh, Paul says we'll be burned away. So we're going to stand in front of God Almighty and be judged, be held accountable for the life that we lived. Here's the good news, in Christ Jesus, there is now therefore no condemnation. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to fear that day. We know that ultimately we are in God's hands and we are going um, to escape eternal judgment, but we will be held accountable for what we did. And um, we need to remember that and that's where a lot of Christians get funky as they say oh I, I had this woman tell me when she left her husband she said I know God has to forgive me I was like no
1: mm-hmm.
2: I mean man you, that is dangerous that's absolutely dangerous you know you're not gonna hold God prisoner to his grace that doesn't it does not work that way and uh, the only person that's a fool in that is the one who says that and mm-hmm. and ultimately that woman did leave her husband and uh, you know I, I I don't know what's going to happen, but one day she's going to stand before God and be held accountable for what she did.
0: Yeah. Okay. So Alex writes in, she says, I was really looking forward to this past message about being wise about sex. I live, I've lived with my boyfriend for a little over two years now and only recently recommitted myself to Christ. There's no doubt in my mind that my boyfriend and I are one day getting married and we often talk about our future and when he will propose. Though we're not married, we do have sex. And coming back to church again, I feel bad about it. I know in my heart that this is the man for me, and one day we will commit ourselves to each other before God. But for now, we both struggle with our sexual desires. Are we wrong for having sex?
2: Yes, Mm -hmm. totally. And so here's why sex is sacred. And so, you know, she says, and I think a lot of women fool themselves in this way. I know that he's the one. No, you don't. -hmm. You hope that he's the one. You need to use the word hope. You're hoping that he's the one. You're hoping that it's going to work out. Yeah, I
0: I dated a girl for seven years. I knew we were getting married. Yeah,
2: yeah. we we did not. Yeah, so so you're not married until you're married. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not sacred until it's sacred. And so you just have to understand that you're going to have to wrestle with your sexual desires. You're going to have to, you're going to have to join the struggle. And what's most important is not sexual intimacy with your boyfriend. It's intimacy with God. And in order to have intimacy with God, you have to choose him mm-hmm. first. God does not want to be second to your boyfriend and that's mm-hmm. what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So Jesus said this, what's the most important commandment? You should love the Lord, your God, without all keyword, all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is just like it love your neighbor as yourself, but your neighbor is still second. And your boyfriend would fall into the neighbor category. So yes. you must love God first, and what God says is that if you really love him and you really love your boyfriend and your boyfriend really loves you, what are you guys doing? You're already living together, you're already playing marriage. So so let's do it. Mm-hmm. Now and so now here's another sin issue which is, you know, I think the issue of greed. You got to have this perfect you know, wedding where you're going to spend all this money that you don't have, and 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 here's one of the problems with modern culture. Like my grandparents got married with a nickel, dime, and a string. You know, I, I, it's just like, but they, but they did it. And yes. so here's the thing: is what you're saying is, is I've got to have this perfect magical wedding, and that's more important to me than living right before God. Mm-hmm. And it's like, are you kidding me? So then the next issue we're going to have to talk about is tithing because you're not going to be able to tithe the church because you had to pay off the stupid wedding. You know, that where you play pretend. About the life that you don't have. Yep. So, m- remember, we talked about a couple weeks ago that financial wisdom is being able to live according to your means. And so, I just don't know why you wouldn't get married if this is the guy you're already living together. I mean, what's the holdup? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I-, I just don't understand here. You're playing marriage, you're pretending, and that's really, really an unhealthy thing. And uh, so, here's what I would say um, you know, get in premarital counseling here at Sandals Church. You guys need to abstain from sex for a period of time. Uh, I encourage every couple that's um, already sleeping together to do this as a sacrifice to God and to each other saying, look, we've sinned against each other. We've sinned against God and we are now going to abstain so that the honeymoon means something. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's a recommitment of saying, okay, God, we got this out of order. And let me just say this to all of you who live together and are having sex. The statistics do not bode well for your relationships. Mm -hmm. People who live together, these are not Christian statistics. These are marriage statistics, People that live together and have sex before they get married do not experience the same kind of commitment level in marriage. They just don't. They Mm -hmm. just don't. And, and all you girls and guys, you need to know this. People will have sex with people that they don't consider marriage material all the time. Yeah. So, you know, and, and the old saying, you know, why buy the cow when the milk is free? That's, that's just a reality. And so you got to work through that. And um, again, the other thing that you're missing out on is that ultimately um, marriage isn't all about sex. It's about talking and working through things and relating and being a team and loving each other. And and and, and when you're having sex before that, you're not being able to be honest with yourself because sex makes you dumb.
0: Yeah,
2: What it does is it, it, it sex is a band-aid over real issues and you wouldn't stay with that person if you weren't sleeping with them oftentimes. I'm, saying, I'm not saying that's true in this case, but oftentimes sex blinds you to some of the things that, and that's what people say, oh, I was so young and stupid. Well, you were probably having sex and, th- and that, that's what makes you stupid. So what you need to do is honestly be able to evaluate somebody. And because sometimes when we say, oh, I love this person, what we're really saying is they totally turn me on. Mm-hmm. And being turned on, if sex was enough to keep people together, no one would get divorced. So obviously there are other issues right. there. Yeah. So, so work, work through that. Um, and this is the Holy Spirit convicting you. Praise God that you feel bad. Praise God. Because mm-hmm. God doesn't want you to feel bad. He wants you to feel him. And what he's saying is, is you um, have an area that's between you and God. And what that is, is, is sex before marriage with your boyfriend. That's an issue between you and God. Because if you're a Christian, the Bible says God bought you with a price. You've been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. And you're sinning against that. And, and I know a lot of you are struggling with this. And here's the, here's the problem. Everyone listen to me because you're wearing more American than you are Christian. That's the problem. You all want to call yourself Christ followers you're a bunch of freaking Americans. That's what you are. And you get your moral compass from America. You, you know, you get, you get you know, your, your wisdom from MTV or whatever else. Well, guess what? You're not following Jesus. Jesus says that he is pointing to the narrow road. Everyone else is on the wide road that leads to destruction. And Jesus says, there's this little narrow road over here and few find it, few. A lot of people in our church are not Christians. That's just the reality. And and one of the ways to tell what you worship is your sex life. Your sex life is a great indicator of your true heart for God. Mm -hmm. And you just have to look at that. And I'm I'm not trying to beat anybody up because, man, I've struggled with this. But at the end of the day, I had to make a decision. And it was brutal, Mm -hmm. absolutely brutal. I struggle with sex more than any other issue, any other issue. Mm -hmm. Okay, I gave up alcohol, quit smoking pot. Those things were not difficult for me at all. Sex was brutal. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely brutal. But in the end what my Lord did on the cross was brutal for me. Mm. Mm. And so, you know, if Jesus could die on the cross for me, I can give up sex for him. I, I can do that. And, and, you know, all of these issues that we're struggling with and, and we don't feel like God would call us to, to say no to our desires. That's what Jesus did his whole life. His whole life was saying no to his desires so he could say yes to you. And then for me to sit there and say, well, I'm going to say yes to my desires and yes to Jesus. What I'm really saying is, Yes to myself. Look, Judas is the one who wanted it all. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: And in the end, guess what? He lost his soul. Mm -hmm. So that's why Jesus says, what, what good is it do a man if he inherits the whole world, but he forfeits his soul. So, um, you know, the the Bible says those who commit sexual sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's a real thing. God cares deeply about your sex life deeply. Mm. And, um, you know, And again, when you get married, married people struggle with porn, married people struggle with lust, married people, I mean, all of these things, you know, are, are issues that you need to start dealing with now. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So this next question. That was heavy. That was, no, was good. That's good though. And so this next question is on the same topic, but a little different. Anthony Moose writes in and says, my girlfriend and I have been dating for years and we have not had sex. We sometimes engage in sexual behavior, but we. That was th- just
0: me encouraging him.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. He says, we sometimes engage in sexual behavior, but we feel wrong about it. I found that the Bible and sermons are not clear in defining what is considered sexually immoral or impure in a dating relationship. Uh How can this virgin Christian couple decide what level of physical intimacy is right or wrong?
2: Yeah, I say less is better. Mm -hmm. Less is better, man. So here's the thing is, um, I mean, the only thing you're doing is frustrating yourself. If you you go Mm -hmm. make out, you start, I love heavy petting. I love that word. (laughs) You start heavy Mm -hmm. petting. I don't know what light petting is. That, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, you start heavy petting. You start touching genitals. Um, I thought you were gonna say chest Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> um, you know that, that stuff is just is just again work through the issues. You have your whole life to have sex. You have your whole life, man. I mean, man, go on your honeymoon. Do it fifty times a day. I mean, set a record. I I don't care. But w- wait until you get married. Just wait. Um, it's it's the best thing. So what I would say is 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 less is better. Continue to focus on the other aspects of your relationship, do things that are fun, do things where you're serving God and just try to focus on that. Uh, If you've been dating all these years, you guys need to, you need to get married soon. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if if you've been dating somebody for a year or two and you're not sure, there's your answer, Yes, Mm -hmm. move on, you know, just, and again, just say, I'm not sure. And so I need to to move on Uh, because what that means is you're not ready. That could be the right person in the wrong time, move on, but don't waste their time, Mm -hmm. you know, because uh, if they're ready to get married, you know, uh, timing is a big part of it. it. It just is. You know, when you're hot and heavy, and 14, eh, it's not the right time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, you, you, you can't you can't wake up to do your paper out. I don't even think kids do paper outs anymore. Probably not. I had a paper out when I was 14. It's creepy grownups. Actually, my mom had a paper out when I was 14 because I, I could not out. get up. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, my poor mom. I'm so sorry. <laughs> really
0: quick. Is, is Anthony Moose right here? Is the Bible not clear in defining what is considered sexually immoral in a dating relationship?
2: So, so the word that the Bible uses is, is pornos, which is where we get our English word pornography. And, and really what pornography means is all, all illicit sex. So um, pornography is not um, two married people having sex. Now it is pornography. If two married people have sex, create a video and then cause another couple to stumble. That is then pornography for mm-hmm. them. So um, um, so that's what it means. It's, it's, it's any illicit sexual behavior. And so, you know, in, in the day and age of Jesus, you wouldn't even kiss or touch.
0: Right. And that's a matter of fact,
2: you know, they had this thing called um, betrothment where you would actually live t- together for a year and not have sex, not have any kind of touching. So that's what Mary and G, uh, G, Joseph are—is they're together for that, a year. Now some of that, that is they that were younger. That made that first
0: year of marriage so hard because you <laughs> would just be grumpy at this person all the time.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> but it was kind of the ancient world's way of dating, mm-hmm. and you know you could kind of get out of it, and so okay. you know because because yeah. mm-hmm. remember, um, you do your thing. Old Joseph people. could send Mary away; he had that right. So yeah. he's like, as he wrestled with it, well, I can send her away because we have, not, you know, she has never known a man. She says that. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's that, that part of it. It's. It's kind of the ancient world's way of trying to figure out, is this going to work? But typically it, it did work because in your ancient town, there was probably like one option. It's like yeah, my grandpa, one of, one of my grandpa got married to Flo because she was the only woman in his elementary school. So he had to go with the Flo. That's what he did. <laughs> so um,
1: I think there's a key though in his question already. And you mentioned this before is that it says that they feel wrong about it. Yeah. So again, I think that conviction in that like, oh, I'm not sure about this is your answer right there. Like if you are a Christian, if you do have the Holy Spirit feeling wrong about that is a gift. It's yeah. telling you like mm-hmm. you've, you've yeah. crossed a line. Yeah. And so. Stephanie's
2: going to answer this next question. Stephanie, do you feel like when you get engaged, it should be brief?
1: Oh, absolutely. Mm.
2: Do you feel like you didn't listen to wise counsel?
1: Uh, we listened to wise counsel. Whose
2: counsel did you listen to? Not mine.
1: Not yours. We, we tried to get married as quickly as possible. Four months is what we could do. Let me tell you something. not fun.
2: Yeah. The sexual <laughs> desires like ramp up
1: oh absolutely it's
2: the, it's like on good coffee
1: we had m- way more conversations like anthony's question here after we got engaged than we oh, did before yeah. it was like oh okay, should we oh uh, yeah, no.
2: no yeah no. no 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 no. being
1: engaged you yeah you think it's hard now it gets so 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 much worse yeah two weeks would have been fine for you.
0: i think we were engaged for six months and we were trying <laughs> to speak no five months four yeah, months you four gotta months. speak yeah dude you gotta
1: and that still felt like forever yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah
2: do you like four days
1: yeah, we should have just yeah gotten married like at our engagement party. Yep. Just knocked it out.
2: Oh <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Literally.
1: Yeah. Then no way. I was to there end. too. We could have. I know. Man. I know.
2: We could have, have back, made a covenant. Could... Yeah.
0: I would have done a speech at the end. It was awesome. Yes. <laughs> okay, we, we got to uh, save some money too. You guys, we have so we have so many more questions okay. on sex well, Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, here Let's comes talk about sex, baby. <laughs> I knew Let's that had talk to come at some point. And me. This question's from. Let's talk about all the good. Whoa, sorry. Moving on.
2: Let's talk about how
0: come? It. How come you're allowed to sing on this podcast and I'm not allowed to sing, senior pastor?
2: Yes, oh. I'm going to pull rank on that. Okay, fair it's enough. not an issue of talent, clearly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, David says so God's that- blessing. Is- oh yeah, I should have. Dang it! I wish I could go back and. <laughs> no, God's- that's an inappropriate tweet. <laughs> <laughs> <was> a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. God's blessing and protection upon from you. From the record. David, God's blessing, not from the Bible. This is a person. David sent a question. Asked this question. David. We got a lot of questions, by the way. Well, hurry up. If yours is not on the show, if we didn't put your question on the show, please be at least assured that we did read it uh, to ourselves, not necessarily to (laughs) Pastor Matt. David says, God's blessing and protection upon you for having the cojones to preach on the taboo subject of sex. I'm a single Christian man who's been struggling for years with the subject of sex. If I'm only dating Christian women and I'm committed to sexual purity, but can't currently find any Christian women who share the same sexual commitment. What should I do?
2: Wow. This is usually women. Yeah, this yeah. is- Yeah, listen up, ladies. There okay, are dude. guys out there with cojones for Christ. Listen <laughs> to oh this. Oh, my God. <laughs> you hear that? I'm, I'm going to move the bell. I yeah. cannot hear that. It's
0: the dude, point. Point. <laughs> he said cojones. Yeah. Oh,
1: no. Well, I think we just found the title
2: for this episode, huh? <laughs> Yes.
0: You guys, I'm so wow. happy. <laughs> yes. Why?
2: Go that's ahead and a, rewind that, that folks. That just one. give it a little realistic. Yeah, yeah that's right. Let's put. Yeah. We're going to put that at the All end of the show. All moms with for small children too. in the car just crashed.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, do you have any advice for David? Just keep yeah. pressing into the Lord. How to fight off the ladies? Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, um, yeah. Okay. So I think there are ladies like oh, that in our church. So you may need to look at your approach, mm-hmm. right? If you can't land the plane, maybe you need to look at your approach. So mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes our struggles for relationships are relational struggles so i would encourage you to get into soul care uh, and just invite people into your life like am i weird yes am I, ask
0: somebody in your community group dude yeah go, what is go going for on Eightieth yeah. person there was
2: actually a gal in our church she was single for gosh i think till she was 35 and and i remember one day after church she just came up to me and she said what is wrong with me that no one will tell me mm-hmm. mm. and i was like you really want to know and she was like yep and I laid it out, man. And she cried and she had hurt feelings. And I don't think she came to church for like two her. weeks. You I knew, knew her, her well. Inter- yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just told her, Here, here's what you do wrong. And she worked on that for about nine months and got married the next year. Because she just, just had some aspects of her personality that were bizarre. And I, I told her, I said, it's not, it's not a problem with how you look. And that's, that's what women, a lot of things, is they're like, oh my gosh, I got to get skinnier. Or I got to get bigger boobs. Sometimes it's just you got to work on your personality and your mm-hmm. approach. And so, uh, especially if you're an aide out there and you're a woman, you're gonna scare men to death. Men are already afraid of being a leader, you know, much less marrying you because you got you know, your whole life planned out how you're gonna conquer the world. So you've got to back it off and allow men to be men and, and to encourage them. And uh, and again, just look at your approach and just know that it's really, really difficult. Some people are, are better at relationships than others. And mm-hmm. so just invite people into that conversation. But there are women in our church that um, I believe, I think we have, women that are virgins that are waiting mm-hmm. that That's are waiting mean. for you bro yeah. for you yeah. to get
0: it together Hold it so, say the question that she asked you again cuz it sounds like David needs to find
2: somebody he can ask that question She to. said what is wrong with me that nobody will tell me That's so good mm-hmm. and um and again she was attractive successful you know owned a home had a job like she was doing well in life but she had some personality quirks and um now as you get older it, it I mean there's there's less and less people available without all of those challenges. And so um, it is easier to get married when you're young and Mm -hmm. create your own problems rather than to get married when you're a little older and inherit someone else's problems. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would say is you need to have an honest, open conversation with someone who knows you, loves Mm -hmm. you, knows God, loves God, and to speak truth to your life. And you got to listen. Because you know what? If I tell you the truth and you don't listen, uh, we're not talking. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and I think your point too, Pastor Matt, that not every person who attends Sandals Church is a Christian. Not everyone who says they're a Christian is. So probably where you're looking for ladies and looking for Christian women, look in places where you're serving at church, where you're in a group at church, where you get a chance to see them live out their faith before you start dating them and before you start engaging in that, yeah. to see if they're actually a Christian in the yeah. first place. And let me just
2: say this for all of our single people who are miserable, listen to me, the life you always wanted is not found in a sexual partner, it's found in mm-hmm. Jesus. That's what you need to pursue. And, and just understand, people are having more and more sex and are viewing more and more sex than any point in time in our history. And they're miserable. Mm-hmm. Our relationship, everything's horrible. Why? Because God's always right.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He's never been wrong, ever. So just trust him on this issue. And um, and, and when the time is right, it'll happen. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh um, This next question is just a really basic, how do we navigate relationships with people? Maybe like some of the folks who've sent in questions for, who we know are actively in sexual sin. How do we navigate relationships with those folks? How do we speak truth?
2: Yeah, it depends on the relationship. Are they claiming to be a Christian? Are they in leadership? Um, you know, so so here's here's where you got to shut it down. When they start saying, well, what we're doing is okay. So when a person is saying, it doesn't matter what the Bible says, what I'm doing is okay because I know better, you got to shut that down. Okay, And say, look, you know, it's fine for you to do whatever you want to do in private. But if you're going to sit here in small group and say, you're the one exception to all of scripture, that's a problem. Um, you know, there are not exceptions. You know, you don't get to... Uh, not love your enemies if they're really nasty. Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, turn the other cheek. Like those things are just commandments and we are commanded to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he is to be first. And that is including over and above our sexual desires. Um, and uh, so that's what I do. Say, confront in love mm-hmm. and in truth. Um, you got to have both. You, you got to have both. Some small groups are too loving and not enough truthfulness because in the end, people that are in sexual sin are hurting themselves. Mm-hmm. Again, that's what the Bible says. The thing that makes sexual sin unusual is it's a sin against yourself. Mm-hmm. So.
1: All right. All right. This next question comes in from Annie Moss. Uh, and she wrote in and said, if I'm still technically married, but my husband has made it clear he no longer wants to be married and wants to pursue a divorce, can or should I still be having sex with him?
2: Yeah, No. That's weird. No, yeah. I mean, I mean, one of the one of the ways to save your marriage ultimately is to draw some lines. I mean, to me, the guy's wanting the benefits of marriage, but he's not wanting to pursue marriage. I mean, it's just it's just total selfishness on his part. And so you 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 got to cut that off. Even if ultimately you want to have sex with them, I mean, if you got a guy saying I'm out the door, I mean, he's severing intimacy. He's severing that covenant. Now I don't know is he a Christian? Did she say?
1: I don't think she said.
2: No. Yeah, so I, I don't know if he's a Christian, a non-Christian, but that's just really, really weird. And just so you know, a lot of guys and women are super selfish and they will have sex with you and are not interested in marriage. Here's the thing is he's being real about it and you're mm-hmm. not being real about what he's being real about. So you need to cut that off and you need to to you know tr- try to find out if there's any way to fix the marriage, heal the marriage. You know, Is he willing to go to counseling? Is he willing to work on it or whatever else? But if he's saying, I'm done then you need to be done having sex with them. Absolutely.
0: It almost sounds like you're saying, start now focusing on the healing work that you need to Mm -hmm. walk through your own situation. Okay. Alexandra says, let's talk about circumcision. Okay. You mentioned that Abraham was circumcised so that his greatest desire was God. I totally understand this. However, in present day, is circumcision still considered necessary? Also, why would God create sex, which is amazing, and then decrease a man's sensation during it? To be honest, the loss of foreskin affects sensitivity, but it does not affect a man's desire for sex. As a Christian wife and hopefully mother someday, is it necessary to circumcise my male baby or can my husband and I just teach the principles around it why it was done?
2: Wow, that's a mouthful of questions. Okay, start from the beginning. Uh,
0: Let's start with this. Um, In in the present day, is circumcision still considered necessary?
2: No, absolutely not. It is the sign of the covenant between the people of Israel and God. We are not a part of of that covenant. We are under the covenant of Christ. And so we are circumcised in the heart and we uh, are right with God through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. And so, no, we don't need to do that. I, I cover that in our uh, 252 series. We do not have to be Jewish to follow Jesus. Now, if you're a Jew and you are going to accept Christ, I would still encourage you to practice, uh, the traditional form of circumcision, because I think it's important to maintain your cultural heritage. And we're going to get into that on the other series, because coming to Christ doesn't mean you lose your culture. It Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you lose who you are. You need to be able to maintain that. And that's what true diversity is. It's maintaining your, you, you know, your culture. It's, um, it's not, you know, blending it all together and becoming this melting pot in the church. You know, the only area where we melt is where Christ commands us to, but we need to continue to maintain um, our our uniqueness. So the next question was...
1: Why would God create sex, which is amazing, and then just decrease a man's sensation during it through circumcision?
2: Because the ultimate goal is not the sensation, it's the intimacy that occurs. And so, Hmm. uh, and, you know, as a guy with a penis, I think losing a little sensation is not necessarily a bad thing. So, because that can allow you to... Yeah, prolong the act. Stay connected. Yeah, so uh, and I mean, I I I mean, I don't know. I'm a circumcised guy. Maybe that's more information than people (laughs) wanted to know. But I didn't choose that. My parents did. Um, You know, so every couple's got to make their own decision. And I've heard pros and cons. And I'm not a doctor on what side or the other. Some people, you know, believe it's you know mutilation or whatever. But I really think that's because they hate the Bible and God's (laughs) word. So um, I'm not mad at my parents. I, I. find sex to be just awesome. <laughs> so, yes.
0: And so then she says, uh, can we not circumcise our son if we have a son someday and just teach him the principles? And sounds like you would say. Yeah, what absolutely. I always
2: counsel uh, parents is your son's uh, penis should match dads. That's what I tell. I just think that's important that they, you know, and that's just my, that's just my advice. It's not like a, a Bible verse behind that, but I, that's just what I tell people. Because like,
0: they're going to see it for sure. Yeah,
2: they're going to see dads. And I think that it's important for a young man to identify with his father and for there not to be differences in that area so but i'll tell you you know uh and we have a son and man when they take your boy away to go circumcise it's it's pretty uh you know you feel bad you Mm. do and that's why you know at least at kaiser they don't let you in the room when they do it so yeah
0: i didn't let the boys out my arms Okay, next question. In addition to things like therapy, where should a young Christian man who's been sexually abused look for tools for healing? It seems like there's a lot out there for women, but specific resources or ministries don't really exist for men.
2: Yeah, I I agree with that. And I I hope to change that one day. Um, You know, as Sandals continues to grow... Uh, larger, we're gonna grow deeper in terms of our ministries. And so for every person out there that says that, you know, a church should never grow too big. One of the advantages of being a big church is the resources that we have. So eventually mm-hmm. that's one of the resources that we're gonna add here. So in the meantime, I would encourage you to find a counselor specifically. You can contact Soul Care here at uh, church when we can put you in touch with a counselor who deals with um, young men who have been sexually violated. And I think that's really, really important, but I would pursue counseling deeply because you know, sexual crime has been committed against you and that will impact and affect all intimate relationships in the future. And so the sooner you work through that, the better. And I think that's important. And so, you know, I don't know if these statistics are true, but, you know, I've heard, you know, anywhere between three and five of all young girls in our country today are sexually molested. Mm -hmm. uh, And and it's as high as one to two boys Mm -hmm. in our country. And again, why is that church? Because we're far more American than we are Christian. And that's what happens when your sexual desires are in the driver's seat. You end up having sex with kids and people or unconscious people. I mean, all kinds of things happen. Um, that's that's why rape occurs, because one person chooses their desires over what's good, right, and true. And so they say, I'm going to have sex with you, whether you are a willing partner or not, because I'm bigger, stronger, um, or I'm awake and you're unconscious. And so that's just where uh, the ugliness of just letting your sex drive control you um, and, and some of you say, oh, I would never do that. I can't tell you how many people I've counseled who's thought I would never do something like that. And it all starts with decisions where you let sex be in the driver's seat and not God because sooner or later, man, you find, I mean, I, I, I've counseled with guys who um, literally went and had sex with a prostitute and they lost their job. Mm-hmm. And they said, I thought I would never, it would never come to this. But what happened is sin always grows until it's, it's, it's repented of and confessed. It, it just continues to grow and it continues to get worse and worse and worse. And if you don't believe me, every single listener who started off looking at, you know, what I call beauty porn, which would be like um, Playboy magazine, you mm-hmm. know, kind of um, highlighted beautiful shots of naked women kind of in the shadow, but whatever. And it starts with that. And then all of a sudden you're watching videos of simulated rape and gross stuff and painful stuff. And you can't believe, well, how did you get there? You got there because you started looking at what looks like innocent, Uh, pictures of pornography that's why i don't look at maxim magazine you know i don't i I guard my eyes when i go into you know i I travel a lot and i'm in the airport and they have all the magazines you know i don't go to the section i don't even look at tattoo magazines because there's a lot of skin in there Mm -hmm. i just i just don't do it i I don't want to open up pandora's box again for me sexually i just i just control myself so i i just would encourage people in that way
0: so based on those stats you were just sharing a second ago, man, we can make an, some assumptions about just our church yeah. and abuse and those things. What are some ways for a spouse of somebody who has been sexually abused to support and walk with their spouse in, in dealing with and working through the repercussions of that in their sex life?
2: Yeah, I think again, so uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, what is love? Love is patient, love is mm-hmm. kind. And here's the key, love does not demand its own way. And mm-hmm. so um, again, this is why instead of having sex when you're dating, you need to be talking about sex and talking about the things that have happened, so you actually know what you're getting involved in before you get married. Now, some of you didn't do that, and now you're those things are coming out. Some people, you know, realize that they were sexually molested later in life, and it honestly just, you know, the, it, the awareness doesn't come until some something triggers that. So the big thing is is not not to demand that. You know, my wife was uh, sexually molested as a kid. And so there are some things, some sexual things that I think for some couples would be very, very healthy and very, very normal that we've chosen not to to do because it makes her uncomfortable. And at the end of the day, I don't value sex, I value my wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've ne- I need to be loving, kind, and patient in those areas. Uh, and the same way, because of all the pornography that I viewed, my wife needs to be loving, kind, and patient with me because I'm going to have um, some images in my mind of things that are normal, which porn is not normal. That's the greatest sin of porn is it says, this is normal everyday relationships. This is what it looks like. And it's not. And, um, and you face the consequences of that. And um, you know, just because you saw it doesn't mean that you need to do it, but that's mm-hmm. what happens. So um, that's what I would say. Be loving, be kind, be patient and go get help and go get help together and, and try to understand that. Um, ultimately, I believe God's will for all married couples is a healthy sex life. I think that that's very, very important and it's something that needs to occur. And, uh, matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul talks about your body is not your own. It belongs to God and it belongs to your spouse. And uh, believe it or not, I've actually counseled some men that withhold their body from their wife. And I've had to say, bro, yeah, you know, everybody always thinks it's the woman holding out. Sometimes oh, yeah. it's the guy and they have issues, they have problems. Um, you know, they're stressing out or whatever else and they need to meet the sexual needs of their uh, wife within reason, within a loving context. And, and usually a lack of sex is, the problem isn't sex, there's another problem. And so you need to figure out what that is so that there can be sexual intimacy. And just know married couples, man, you know, uh, life is hard. You start having kids, jobs, mortgages, stress, church, you know, it's really, really hard to, to have that time. And so that's why my wife and I, we do date night every week, every week, It's a time that we protect. It's just us, and uh, my kids say, "Ooh, are you guys gonna have sex?" I always say, "I hope so." (laughs) (laughs) I am hoping, but you know, you never know because sometimes I screw things up. Right. Well, a couple weeks ago on date night, I made my wife mad. Five seconds. Five Five seconds seconds in the car. I literally didn't even get the car in reverse, and she was just ticked at me Mm. about a comment (laughs) I made about her outfit. So, yeah. Those are always
0: tricky date nights. The rest of the nights, like just trying oh, to climb dude. back, well, out, trying it, to climb back out the hole. It's like yeah, it's like sand like, keeps
1: crumb, yeah. crumbling over the edge.
2: Yeah, it's <laughs> it's so depressing when you know you screwed it up. <laughs> it is, man. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that is all the
2: questions we've what? got
1: on the topic of. Did you want to keep? We could keep going. We've uh, got we here, over so. an hour.
2: So we just yeah. pause some. Yeah. We, maybe but we'll, we're talking about sex, may we'll do, baby. <laughs> maybe we're we'll not do. talking about you and me. Thank God. <laughs> Maybe we'll do
0: a follow up. Maybe we'll do a follow up yeah. at some point. So I yeah. guess yeah. So so you guys, guys probably
2: have some Yeah, let's questions. just say this. Look, I know I've been harsh on you guys, but you just gotta understand you've been lied to. Mm. Our whole culture's mm. lied to you. Everybody's so lying true. to you. God is telling you the truth. And you just all have to wrestle with this. You're not as Christian as you think you are. You just mm. you're just not in every area. That's what I'm saying. You know, whenever people get offended, the reason you're offended is you're not honest with yourself. That's why you get offended in church. Oh my gosh, he's saying this about me. Well, read the Bible. It says worse, mm-hmm. absolutely worse. And so let me just say this. Um, sometimes our greatest repentance, you know, comes in moment of our greatest darkness. I'm, right now I'm reading through Lamentations and I've forgotten, you know, Lamentations is just one of those books that's depressing, but actually I think maybe the greatest chapter in the Old Testament is in Lamentations three, hmm. that God's mercies are new every morning. Yeah. hmm Um and actually let us let us examine ourselves. That's also Mm -hmm. that real with self-verse is Mm -hmm. also in Lamentations chapter three. And that comes from just the heartache of again the sexual sin of Israel. They had sinned and rebelled against God, and they chose the God of Baal, which is again the God of, you know, uh worship. There were male Baal prostitutes and female Baal prostitutes, and you could choose. You know, you want to sleep with a guy or a girl, whatever. It's an act of worship for Baal or the Asherah pole, which really is the God of fertility. And, mm-hmm. you know, even today as we speak in Hinduism, you know, there's, oh, I forget what God it is, but literally it's it's a vagina. They go and they worship this crack um, in the rock. And do you know what they pour in the crack? No. Nope. Milk. Oh. That's their act of worship. Wow. Symbolizing semen that. going into the, and that's mm-hmm. their worship. And in and, and some Hindu, um, um, uh, worship centers in um, India to this day, it's now illegal, but it still happens. Part of worship is sex.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, and, and and the temple has prostitutes. Yeah. I mean, that happens today. Mm-hmm. And so we just have to understand that, that in America, we might not call it Hindu worship, but we can call it LBGTQ.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We can call it gay pride. We we can call it these things. We can call it God understands. We can call it all kinds of things. And I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying, American culture is sticking its middle finger up at God and saying, We don't care what you think. And God is saying, I see that finger and I'm coming.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So you just got to understand when you read the book of Revelations, read through it. God brings all this judgment on the people. And you know what happens every time? Their heart is hardened and they don't say they raise their middle finger. It says they raise their fists
1: mm-hmm.
2: up at God and they get more entrenched in their unholiness and more entrenched. Uh, in, you know, And, and again, who, who, is, who is the woman in Revelation? She's the great whore, the whore of Babylon, deceiving the nations. It's, it's part of this sex thing. And it's again, again, sex is sacred to God and to the world, it's only personal. Mm. What I do with my body is what I do with my body. And, and let me just say this to you, even if you're not a Christian, let me just summarize this, the whole story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is God, regaining what was always his. Hmm. That's you, you're not your own. Mm-hmm. As Christians, we recognize that I've been bought with a price, you are not your own. So it's God reclaiming what was always his. It's really not about you know, us being lost, it's about what he lost. It's his story of redemption of his people who denied him, who rejected him. And again, that, that's, read the struggle, the struggle for Israel constantly with sex, it's, it's constant. Mm-hmm. And we see that in the New Testament, it's constant. And so God has called you to be different and you just have to understand that different, strange. You know, Christians, we, we should, the old word for strange was queer. Nobody uses that anymore, but that's mm-hmm. what it means. And that's who we were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to be strange. We were supposed to be odd. The problem is we try to act like everybody else and we're not supposed to act like everybody else. We're supposed to act like Jesus. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, so again, I love you guys. I know this has been harsh. There's grace for you. There's forgiveness for you. Um, I didn't fix this sex issue in a day. Mm -hmm. It took literally about three years, three years of working through this issue. So this is what I would say to every person who's a virgin. God bless you. Mm -hmm. Don't give up. Hang in there. Stay faithful. As hard as it is, if you have sex before you get married, you just made it more difficult. Mm -hmm. Now, for those of you who are engaging in sex, look, it is difficult. So, so, okay, man, gosh, this is why scripture is so good. What does it say will happen to the young man who engages in sex at the end of Proverbs 5? Ropes will attach to you and pull you down. So yeah. everybody that's struggling with sexual sin, I want you to view this right now. You have ropes all over you and it's pulling you down to the pit. And so what we have to start doing is cutting the ropes one at a time, cutting yeah. them. And it's gonna take a process. And, and those ropes don't stop pulling. They don't. So you have to start cutting you know, cutting those things. And that's why I would encourage you, man, if you're a person that struggles with this, get involved in the church. I mean, mm-hmm. you got to busy yourself with good things because a lot of you can't be alone by yourself. That's just the reality. That's how addicted you are. You're totally dangerous to yourself. Just like some people can't go into a bar or they can't go to the beach. You, you can't be alone because you're more dangerous. So Proverbs also says this, a man who seeks isolation seeks his own demise. Mm-hmm. So God has designed us for community, for real and authentic relationships. And you need to be in relationships with Christians where you can talk about anything, Yep. Mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, man, I'm telling you, as a pastor, as a pastor, I have viewed porn and literally immediately went um, and confessed it. And it was awful, mm-hmm. awful, but I, I did it. Mm-hmm. And you can do it too. And let me tell you something. One of the things that I think helps me sometimes To not choose those things is I know I got to confess it, Mm -hmm. and it's like, Mm -hmm. that's not worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and especially it's not worth hurting my wife. Man, I mean you've walked through that. It's terrible.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, um, you know my wife's already afraid I'm an idiot. I don't need to encourage that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, love you guys. I love the Lord, man. (laughs) Amen. It's good to us. God is good. Go read Lamentations three if you feel depressed. It's beautiful.
0: Uh, and if you just want to respond to this or just wallow in sorrow, you can do that with our show notes uh, debrief.show/79. There'll that's, be a bunch of good stuff over there.
1: That's right. We'll have some links to a bunch of the stuff that we referred to in the show, including links to our premarital counseling. If you're one of those couples who's like, we need to just get married and let's do this thing. Our premarital counseling here at Samples Church is incredible. Having just gone through it, I'm a big fan.
0: We should do a live debrief where we get we get like nine to 10 couples. We just marry them all at once like they come out at the end of the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. We just do a, just do a little real quick shotgun wedding.
2: They Let's can be episode 79's
0: people. <laughs> yeah, just a real quick one. We'll bust out a little ceremony at the end of the next debrief live. You guys are married. Go home, do do the right thing with the Lord. <laughs> not okay. with the Lord, with well, each other. Yeah, yeah,
1: just yeah.
0: In his presence. All
1: right. You can also, if you if all that makes you uncomfortable, just go ahead and follow us on debrief uh, debrief show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, you can share some quotes from this show. Yeah, you can a share lot of great sh- quotes will be from, from the <laughs> show.
0: Just share those online. Yeah, if any of this makes you feel weird. Yeah, that's fine. Good. Last thing you can do is you can support the show. Uh, we make it real easy. It's good to say. <laughs> you don't, no milk involved. You don't have oh, to. Just gosh. come on. Just no, come on. on. Come get on yourself, dude. Just grab your We're smartphone. We're almost
1: there. We're so close.
0: Uh, it just popped It just popped in. Yeah. Anyway, so you can support the show. Just text the two words, give debrief to 951-900-4120. Give debrief, 951-900-4120, and it'll just send you back and say, how much would you like to give? You can say one dollar, ten dollars, fifty dollars, and uh, you can make any it happen. Any
1: amount of dollars, we will Literally. happily receive.
0: Yep, please. So, you guys cool. are awesome. It's been a great show, and uh, I was uh, distracted a little bit in the middle because I was just imagining what it would be like to actually live in a bakery full time. <laughs> the smells—that's yeah. what
1: distracted
2: you. That would—that would be stumbling for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, if I were to walk into a strip club, I'd be like, "Do you guys uh, have uh, some of those <laughs> Do you mozzarella have sticks?
2: Got <laughs> any of those mozzarella sticks over here?
0: Yeah. Pour oh, some God. sugar on me."